Welcome to the Juggling Without Balls podcast. My name is Monica Parkin and I am your host. And every week on the show, I'm going to be talking to powerful, successful women who juggle it all. And when I say juggle it all, I mean everything. Kids, health, aged parents, careers, relationships, you name it, we're going to talk about it. So stick around, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a seat and enjoy the show. Hello, jugglers. Today, I'm talking to Loren Bell, director of a company called Hired in Seven Days, where she is turning the hiring process upside down and using a unique, game-changing, obstacle-based hiring strategy. As a fellow juggler, she is also currently working on her Master's of Educational Policy, specializing in adult community and higher education at the University of Alberta. She believes that life should be a balance of work family, personal self-development, and political activism, and she works hard to create that kind of environment for herself and her staff. I'm so excited to talk to her. Please welcome Loren Bell. Okay, welcome to the show. As we heard in the intro, you are director of a company called Hired in Seven Days, and I was listening to your podcast the other day because I'm an avid podcast listener, and I was just really intrigued by the concept because I also used to work in HR, and you're like, we don't even look at resumes till the end. And I'm like, what is this? I need to talk to this lady. And I just, I was really interested in the concept, the way that you spoke, and I wanted to have you on the show. So thanks for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me, Monica. And I'm excited that you have an HR background. That's going to make this a much more interesting conversation as well. Many years back, but it's there somewhere in the recesses of my memory. So we just heard a little bit about you in the intro. Can you tell me, like, how did you end up as director of Hired in Seven Days? We were talking about this. Sometimes we go down one path and we end up down another. So how did this come together for you? Totally. Actually, everything to do with this hiring service has been super organic, which for me is really nice because I am not a overly decisive person. So I like always have my eyes looking at everything, but really I have gone through a ton of different career goals. Like I never saw myself ending up in HR or hiring or something like this. Um, like I've wanted to go into, I wanted to be a dentist for a while, then like social work and then human rights and law and went through all of these kind of spectrums. And then eventually I actually got a job with Scott two and a half years ago. And at the time I was a horrible candidate. Like I'm shocked I got this job because <laughs> I was like job hopping. I think I had six jobs on my resume that all were like two or three months, but they all had relevant stuff. So I was like, I guess I'll just leave it on the resume. And then I also, when they did talk to me and were asking about my career goals and stuff, I was like, probably this and maybe this and over here and all this stuff. And they were like, why would you want to work for us in a training company? That just seems not it's disconnected. It's weird. Got the job in the end. And now I've been here for two and a half years. So I got along really well with the team. And for me, the whole thing was just, I kept leaving other jobs because I was like, if I don't see a career here, if I don't see a future, if I'm not challenged in it, I am not going to thrive. I'm not going to enjoy it. And I will not put all my best effort in. So I might as well not waste my time, not waste your time. I'll just move along. So that was actually how I ended up here. And then with Scott, I just... So when you say Scott, you mean Scott Peckford. I love mortgage broking and it's a training company for mortgage brokers. It's a coaching company for mortgage brokers, essentially. That is correct. Which is why I did not seem like I would fit in that world. Totally. (laughs) Yes. So Scott Peckford with training. And now I've partnered with Scott for the hired in seven days. So now yeah. we're working on this kind of together. So that was an interesting story. So as, and if I can just recap for the audience, but so as part of that training program that you, that he's offering, or you guys are offering mortgage brokers, they found that they got so busy, they needed to hire an assistant. 
didn't have time to hire their own assistant. And boom, this is where you come in. All of a sudden, well, we're going to try and hire an assistant for you. And this is basically where this concept grew from, right? The need to hire for other people and do it in a way that was really efficient, right? That is exactly it. Yeah. And that's why I said it like happened so organically because we didn't just decide to start a company or something. Yeah. It was all of the clients consistently. The conversation was, you know, just instead of assuming what was going on with them, we had this mentality that we're like, we just need to ask people. So we talked to them on the phone all the time and people constantly were like, I'm so busy. Like I can't show up to the training, but I really need to keep growing. So we're like, okay, how do we solve this? And then started hiring for them and just the process really came together and really became like quite developed. And so that was why also so many of our past hires have been with mortgage agents and that's really our primary market right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sometimes it's amazing how these, like those organic things that grow, they grow from a need though, or a problem that you're solving. And and when you solve the problem and you create a product, it's usually a phenomenal product because you're solving a problem that a hundred thousand other people have that just haven't had the time to deal with it. So you've now solved this problem and you're able to offer mm-hmm. service. And, mm-hmm. and it sounds like you've really nailed down your process. So one of the things that I was really fascinated about was the way that you've redesigned this process to make it faster, smarter, and really focused on the qualities and the culture that you want rather than their resume. Because I remember we talked about, I used to work in HR 20 years ago in the federal government. We would just pour through resume after resume. But you're not actually looking at the resume until the end of the process. You want to explain that to me? Yeah. So with the resumes, it's been again, this was a, a this is a twofold thing. So mm-hmm. first thing is that our biggest support to our clients is that we're saving them time. Yeah. It happens to be saving time in hiring for them and in helping them continue to save time down the road. But right. the biggest thing that we've noticed is just People don't have the time and it's time to learn the process and time to execute on it. So there's just a lot there as it takes a lot to to go through all of the hiring. So we're trying to save everybody time. And that was why we said reading hundreds of resumes is not the way to save yourself time. Like that just, those two don't go together. It doesn't make sense. Unless you have 10 applicants, then it's maybe reasonable. So we are avoiding that. That's one of the biggest reasons we don't look at resumes first. Yeah. Um, I don't know how familiar you are still with hiring, but it is so easy for people to apply to jobs these days. It literally takes two clicks. You select the job and you press apply now and everything's uploaded on your profile. So there's so many just resume spammers. Like they just put it all in and you just have hundreds of people that it's like they didn't even look at the job. They just saw one and press apply. Yeah. So out of a hundred applicants, maybe there's really only 10 there that actually are even serious about that job or would even fit the criteria. So you're trying to get rid of that 90 as quickly as you can so you can get right to the meat. Mm-hmm. And you've got a bit of a process for that. So let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. So the first one is actually so simple and yet so effective. And we put a link to a form in the job posting. And it's not hidden. It's not about tricking people or anything like that. It's literally about, are you paying attention? Are you looking at the job? If you are, you'll Mm -hmm. read it. There's a very clear instruction, copy and paste the link below, fill out the form to be considered for the job. Like it's so easy for people to do, but they have to look for it. They have to care enough to read the description of the job. Yeah. And I would think because just for that particular role, a mortgage broker assistant that you were working on, that's someone that needs to be really detail-orientated. The people that are detail-orientated are going to follow those directions and you're already narrowing your funnel, right? By choosing the people that have the characteristics that you want. 
Yes. And that's exactly it. We're trying to find people that have this particular skill set. Yeah. And this has been a very effective way to narrow that down. And if you're familiar with the 80-20 rule, our stats actually from all the hires that we've done, our average number of people that make it through that first one is 20% of the people that apply. It is phenomenal how well it works. And the other really nice thing about doing it this way instead of reviewing resumes is that we actually take a lot of the human assumption and bias out of it. So me and my team, we facilitate a lot of the process, but we're not letting our own kind of assumptions sneak in and say, oh, you're going to be better and you're going to be worse when a resume just does not show the whole human experience. And so there's so much behind it that we don't know and what skills they've gained. And there's a thousand ways to gain attention to detail as a skill. It doesn't have to be in a university degree. It doesn't have to be in specific things. I was just talking about that in my previous podcast guest. She's written a book called The Gender Code in which she actually talks about is how women that have stayed home with children have actually these phenomenal project management skills because there's so many things they got to deal with in a given day. When they actually get into the workforce, they can manage multiple projects like crazy, but those aren't skills that would show up on a resume. So you're finding those skill sets that aren't necessarily on paper in writing. And then like you say, you're putting away your own personal bias because you're not looking at their appearance. You're not looking at where they've worked, anything. You're just looking at, can you get through these obstacles? Can you bring these skills to the table? Totally. And I'm so glad you brought that up, actually, because I am in my master's. I did research for a big assignment last term, and my topic of research was actually the barriers to entry in going into the job market, which is the hiring process and getting Mm -hmm. through that. And one of the big barriers is actually for women who are performing reproductive care labor at home to get back into the workforce. And that's not accounted for in like the motherhood penalty, which Mm -hmm. is usually focusing more on wage and whatnot in their career and how like that deficit that they find, but it doesn't account for the time in between getting into jobs and the struggle that women have getting back into work because they have the gap in the resume as they call it. It's yeah, it's a big area, but this, I find this process, I'm really proud of that about this. It really helps eliminate that kind of unfair, if you will. I don't know if that's the right word, but that kind of stage that makes it an added challenge for certain groups. Yeah, 100%. And I've hired, I made that mistake years ago of looking at someone's resume because I used to own this little retail store and they had also worked in a retail store and I was like, oh, they've already done this whole job, blah, blah, blah. I'm just, it was like the worst hire I'd ever hired. She didn't show up on time. She couldn't get along with people. Yeah, she'd done all these duties, but she totally could not fit in with my staff. I should have just hired someone with none of those skills that fit our team and then taught them the skills because it literally, like that was the first time I learned just because they did that job before does not mean that they're an auto hire. It's not a good reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that, again, these obstacles will really help. So a lot of the obstacles that we commonly use are designed for specific qualities that we're looking for and help see, like you're talking about that attitude, that mindset of the people that are coming in and not necessarily focused on like where those kind of pieces came from or the skill set in particular, but more of those kind of general underlying pieces that we want to see. So if you're hiring for someone that you need to be a paralegal or an assistant, a really big eye for detail, that's going to be one obstacle. If you were hiring for, say, a business development manager, someone that's focused on building relationships, building business, whatever, that's going to be a totally different set of criteria. And I would think that you'd have to redesign those obstacles for that Mm -hmm. new position. Mm -hmm. And we have done a few like that. So one really good example actually was the title was a product operations manager, which was a totally new one for me. And honestly, I'd never even heard of that role before. So we had to do a lot of research and kind of figure out what that looks like and what kind of pieces they'd be responsible for in a company. 
So it was a really big learning curve for us. But then we added a whole new obstacle in because it was a really high level job. So we had Mm -hmm. more obstacles throughout the process. So it worked out, although we were less sure of it because we do a lot of the administrative tasks, right? Like we have a lot of these style client facing customer service, um, assistant style receptionist, clerical, all those kind of pieces are really our niche. And sometimes we'll make exceptions for people and we'll try to look at these other roles, but really we focus and what we're good at is finding jobs in with that kind of particular skill set, that attitude and like that kind of stuff that we were talking about. So that's really where more fall right now. That's where you're shining right now and where you're focusing your energy. It is somewhat transferable though, it sounds like. So I was listening to an episode where you actually went out and hired a housekeeper. You were able to transfer some of those obstacles and then create some new ones and actually get a really good result. The the client was actually really happy with the end hire. Yes, totally. That one was really fun too, because we used actually a lot of the similar obstacles, but what we looked for in them really changed. Okay. So obstacles were similar, but the actual qualities, the personality details of the individual, you were looking for different things. Mm-hmm. That's okay. exactly it. Okay. So that was really where the shift was, which yeah. is a fun part of it too. Cause a lot of these obstacles can be very transferable across, across all these roles, but then yeah. the way that you analyze and score people, cause we have a whole scoring system that we follow. Oh, my kid would love this. She's just a total stats person. She's got spreadsheets <laughs> for everything. So you've actually got your own kind of ranking system, a way that you rank those candidates as they come through those obstacles and, and come through the funnel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it has been, it's as much as I say that it's like a, we try to keep everything really even, but there yeah. are so many nuances behind it. Like all yeah. these like if statements, the the and, the but, if you do this, but not this, if you do this, but, and it just like always shifts. It's this kind of a maze. Our team is pretty good at it now that we've done quite a few hires and we've gotten really adjusted to what we're looking for. So that's how we've gotten so much more efficient at it too. Yeah. And at some point, at some times, there's probably just a gut response too. There's got to be just a little bit of intuition when you've got two candidates that are both amazing and you're just like, my gut says this one's Mm -hmm. the one. Do you ever have Mm -hmm. that kind of a thing that happens or this is not the one, even though everything looks perfect, there's something not right here? Yes. Definitely have had those. The one thing I will say though, is that we do a lot of the legwork at the beginning and we pass the top one to three applicants on to our employers. Right. So we don't do that final interview because in my opinion, just especially because I'm like, we don't do stuff in person as much. It's really hard to like really know the ins and outs of that person's company. And so they're the the best person to know what's going to support that role. That leads to my next question, which is what does the process look from an employer standpoint? So I'm the employer, I come to you, I need to hire a new assistant or a new whatever. What's that going to look like for me? What are you going to do? And what's going to be my responsibility in this and in terms of my time and my commitment? Okay. First of all, I would say that if you're deciding to move on to hire, one of the best ways to look at it is asking yourself, Like, why did I choose this path that I'm already on to get the ball rolling? Because it'll help you see and visualize that usually people like yourself, if you chose to be a mortgage agent or a broker, like you're choosing that because of certain aspects of the job. But when you have those high level kind of aspects, it always comes with a lot of like low and medium level roles there. Yeah. So that's like the first step I would say is really getting into that mentality that you are hiring because you want to bring on someone to help support so that you can really get back into those roles. And a lot of people get tripped up on like, why would someone else want this job if I have this? But there are people that actually live and die for admin. Like they love it. They want to be organized. 
Yeah. Like they're happy there. That is their spot. Totally. So, we're, yeah. We we're talking about this on another show. If everybody was the same, the village wouldn't work. There's the people that like to stay up late, the people that get up early, the people that like monotonous tasks, the people that are like, just think about the big design. And if you, they're like all different parts of the body. If you only had all hands, your body would really suck. You got to have the hand and the leg and the foot. And those other people in your company serve other roles. And maybe they're really good at that role, even though you can't envision yourself being good at that role. And when you mm-hmm. pass that off, it opens up all this space for you to be good at what you're good at. And just to add to that too, they're actually happy there too. They're not just like good at it, but they enjoy it. Like they want to be in that. So that to me is like one of the first things that people really need to step back and think about. Cause I think people get really stressed about just bringing on a new team. That's such a big deal. It's really hard. So that's like kind of stage one is wrap your head around that. But then afterwards, if you decide to work with us, the process looks differently. What we do is we bring in people that want to hire through us instead. They'll come in, they'll do a strategy session with myself, and then we'll just really talk through lots of the role, like technicalities behind it, you know, what it's going to look like to bring someone on the team. And then we have tons of resources to provide because we work, especially with a lot of people that they've never hired before. This is their first time. So it is just really new territory. And so we just talk through a lot of that and get into the details of how to bring someone on, what kind of roles they have. And the other thing that's very cool about that session for me my, that's my favorite part of the process yeah. for myself. Get- but you really get to meet a lot of people and be a part of that growth. It's very cool. But one part that I also really like is that because we've done so many of these hires, a lot of people that I work with don't actually realize what's possible. So an example mm-hmm. is like remote work. Everyone's, I need to have them right here. And then they can ask and say, what's everyone else doing? Are they having yeah. remote people? And then they feel a lot more confident if they're going to make that choice because they know that we've hired for a lot of people like that. We've hired very successfully that way and had long-term success. It's not like it works at first and then fails, but stuff like that is like a really cool part that they can open up how their candidate pool is going to look based on a couple of those details that they just didn't know. Yeah, exactly. They can get some feedback from you too about what other people have done and they're not going in completely blind to a process and you're learning about them and what they want and then trying to to figure out what the Mm -hmm. need is, right? Yeah. So now you've identified what they want, what they what they're trying mm-hmm. to hire for. Now you start the process with an advertisement or you craft whatever your obstacles are going to be. What is that? So for them now they've handed it off, right? So they're yeah. not doing any work after that console, right? They've passed the baton yeah. over to you. Yeah. Yeah. They do that strategy session. Usually that's about an hour to really get into it. Then after that, we just say, go do your thing, do your work, live your Perfect. life. Goodbye. <laughs> and then we'll send updates because it's nice to know where you're at and that things are moving forward. So we send lots of updates and then we go through our different days. So we post the job, we review the obstacles, we go through the forms and we just slowly narrow down until we have our top candidates. And then we do, my team does like the first round of interviews. So we do talk to them once before we hand them off. And then we put together a whole hiring package for our soon to be employers. All the information as if you went through the process and like almost met this person. So you mean all your notes and stuff, or do you mean like an actual employment contract? Like what, when you say a hiring package, do you, can you just explain that a little more detail? Yeah. So since we have done the whole process, we've seen all these candidates make it through these different obstacles and have gathered a lot of details and information about that person. So then when we get to the very end and we're going to pass off the top one to three applicants to this employer, or when we're passing it off to them, if we just said, okay, go interview these people, they would be like, what do I say? Who is this? So instead we put together the, the, the package that we call it. And it really just has 
all their form answers. It has any assessments that we do. We include their video links. We do a video in part of right. it. We have their resume, a cover letter. So we include everything. And then they just actually review that form. And then we actually take a little video of ourselves too. And we just talk about what we've learned about this person's strengths and weaknesses that we've seen, suggested interview questions that person should be asked, stuff like that. So that when they actually are employers going into these interviews, it's as if they did the process with them. Yeah, you're drawing them a picture of what to expect. It's almost like if you're going on a blind date. It's not just, hey, meet this guy at six. It's, oh, I've known him since kindergarten. And then we did this together, blah, blah, blah. And by the way, he likes dogs, but he doesn't like cats and that. And so they've got this whole picture in their mind when they go meet this person of what to expect. And and then the yeah. bonus is you've also given them some questions to ask. So they're Because sometimes they're like, I don't know what to ask. What days are you available? Mm-hmm. To really actually ask the meaningful questions. I love that comparison. I'm going to use that. Oh, you can have it. Yeah. I'm one of these people that I work with visuals and metaphors. Like that's the only way I learn things. So I always have like my little analogy or whatever to go with stuff. So it's the perfect analogy. It's not truly a blind date. You have a lot of background. That's great. I love that. Great. Um, Awesome. Yes. They go into it knowing. And then the other aspect, just because you touched on this, like I said, are what we try to do because the time is the biggest stressor for these people. That's why we will put all this together for them so that it's very easy for them to just read it through. And then we have a whole list of a ton of suggested interview questions and what to listen for and how to use them and all that kind of stuff. Because like we said, like learning and doing the research behind figuring it out is a huge chunk of that time too. So we want to take that out. So usually our average person that we work with is actually taking three to four hours to do their hire. Whereas other people that we've talked to that have tried to hire on their own are usually closer to 15 to 18 hours. Yeah, totally. And I remember that being an obstacle for me, like just as a broker, when I finally got to that volume level where I needed to hire someone, I kept putting it off because it's like, it's going to take too long. It's going to take too long. And then by the time you actually do it, you really don't have time and then you're rushing it and then you're maybe choosing the wrong person and then you're having to redo it. And it just creates this whole snowball effect. Whereas Literally, if you could just pass it off to someone who really knows what they're doing and narrow it down to a couple of good ones, it's the time that you lose in A, in delaying and B, in just like screwing it, not even screwing it up, but you're so rushing through it because you're so short on time by that point, you've delayed it so long that you're not actually able to do a quality job. Yeah, it can be very challenging. And I'm not trying to say you should definitely go through us. Like we... We have a niche client and it works really well for some people and some people want to do it on their own or have other ways. And that is totally fair. I think you also have a workshop or something for people that want to do their own hires where you teach them how to do their own hires if that's something they want to do. Exactly. Yes. So we do run workshops sometimes. They're usually about an hour long and our process is not a secret. We are not trying to hide it from anybody. It's a great process and it works, but that's why our thing is just that if you don't have the time, we're there to support you. But if you have the time and want to do it yourself and want to try it out and whatnot, yeah, go for it. It's very fun and it's very cool to go through it. It's a great experience. So we'll teach it in our workshops and then you have all the information you need to make it happen. Time can be like a huge obstacle for sure. And I've said this on other shows. I was wanting to do this podcast forever and ever, but time was my biggest obstacle. Like learning the skills, doing the editing, doing all this stuff. And it was actually, I think it was Scott Peckford that I emailed him and said, who's who's doing your podcast? Can I hire you to do them? Because I just want to get started, but I don't know where to go. And he's like, I actually, I don't do mine. It's Joel at East Coast Studios. And so I connected with Joel. And now I just do what I'm good at. I record my interview. I do a quick edit. I fire it off to him. And it's not six hours. It's all of a sudden, it's something manageable that I can do that I mm-hmm. didn't have time to do before. And that's something that I think everyone who's busy and juggling stuff has to make that decision. Is it something I'm going to enjoy and it's going to add 
value to my life and I want to dig in and spend the time doing it? Or is it just one more thing I got to check off my box that I don't have time for? And it's worth the time to me to to hand it over. So even like getting your lawn mowed, I can pay the guy to do it for 15 bucks an hour or I can do it, but that's an hour that I'm not spending with my family. Like you just have to make that decision yourself, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. And another thing that we talk about with people too, especially when it's hiring within your career, like you said, we've done housekeepers and all that stuff where Mm. I think people are weighing out like you are, which is going to be more valuable to my life. I only have a finite amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then the way we encourage people to think about it at work too, is if you were to calculate out what your pay per hour, is it actually worth your time to go through the process or do your admin work? Is it worth it to hire someone else to do that? So that's another way to look at it and try to process what is that time actually worth? Or if you did have that time, like in our case, if it took you, let's say you're quicker and it took you 15 hours to go through the hiring process. If you didn't do that and you took that 15 hours and put it somewhere else, what would you actually be able to accomplish for your business? Yeah, Where would you be? Exactly. Or what's the economic loss of not spending that 15 hours on your business? Yeah. Is that three clients that you lost? It would have been whatever in commissions or like, what is that for you? And, and do that math and figure it out. Just moving on. What's your favorite part of your job? What's the part you love the most? Honestly, my favorite part is the strategy sessions with people. And that usually, it doesn't always end at the one hour. That's something that kind of people come back and have like questions and want to talk a little bit more and need to jump on a call. But just helping those people move forward in their business. And I just get to meet a lot of really cool people. And also there's just something very fun about listening to people get excited about what they do. And everyone does on these calls, probably like you with the podcast. Love this podcast. It's a favorite hour of my week because I get to hear people who are super passionate about what they do and to help them do that too. It's a mutual, it's a win-win for both of you, right? So totally. Yeah. Biggest one other kind of fun thing that I experienced that I was like, oh, this is why I love my job, which sounds weird actually when I share the story. But anyways, I had a client who at one point we were working with him. We started this hire. He was going with us. We're moving forward. We're like, probably three quarters of the way done through the process. And all of a sudden out of the blue, I get this email that he's, I realize I'm probably going to lose my money and that's fine. And I'll just come back to you, but I just can't hire right now. We're having like a bit of an emergency. And my head immediately based on the context of the email, I was like, oh my gosh, something happened like in his family or something yeah. crazy. It was a very, there was a lot of stress that came through in you the tone feel of that. the email. Yeah. And I was, oh my gosh, I hope everything's okay with your family and everything's good and don't worry about it. It's all fine. We'll talk about it later down the road when you're ready to hire again and we'll work something out. It'll be okay. And then he sent an email. He's like, oh no, my family's actually fine. And then we started talking and then I was like, I need to just talk to this guy. So we phoned him. We're probably on the phone for half an hour just going through it. And it turned out that there was just a lot of anxiety about bringing somebody on. He was like, I just, I don't know. I, I've never had a good experience with the staff. It feels like a money sink. I don't have time to train people. How am I supposed to get through this? And we just talked it through and kept talking it over. And then he was like, okay, you're right. And the great thing is from my perspective, as I was like, you are actually now putting yourself in a more powerful position to make this choice Yes, because you don't have to hire that you were ready to say no, which is way better. Yeah. Yeah. And then he went through and then at the end he called me, he was like, I'm so glad I went through the rest of the process because I hired this person and she's amazing and I'm so excited to work with her. And I was like, oh, that was so nice. I just was so excited for him. And so it was moments like that. that It's so rewarding, right? Just that feeling and to watch him come out the other side and be like, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you talked me off that ledge because it was totally worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think we all have had that. You just need a little extra support and someone to talk it through and figure it out. 
Totally. Yeah. And I've had that too, where there's things I just totally want to pull the plug on to like, you know, call a friend, dial up my whatever, my three choices, call a friend. And by the time we get through the conversation, I'm not freaked out anymore. I just needed to just lay it all out again and have that feedback. Like, oh, yeah, actually I'm doing the right thing here. It's it's going to be mm-hmm. okay. And it ends up being even better than you thought it was going to be. That's great. What totally. about your biggest pain point or your biggest struggle? This one is harder for me because... I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. There's a lot of things I like about it. And what is another helpful part is that when mm-hmm. I do have these struggles or these like really big painful parts, because Scott and I, Scott Peckford again, yeah. partnered in this, I have an amazing mentor all the time. Yeah. I'm very fortunate for that. So whenever I do have these kind of anxiety bubbles or mm-hmm. have my time where I'm like, oh, talk me down off the ledge or anything like that, he's always right there to... nice. Be like, okay, let's talk this through. What's going on? What do you think is the right way to deal with this? All these kinds of things. But honestly, my biggest pain point is when I feel like people are disappointed in the service or when it doesn't work out for whatever reason in the same way. And then I just feel so sad that people get really excited once they've committed, they're ready to bring someone on and they're really happy about it. And then if we ever have any kind of hiccups or anything like that, I'm just like, why? I don't want to, I I want you to have a good experience. I want you to find someone that's great for your business. So if something like that happens, I feel like that for me is my biggest kind of. It probably doesn't happen very often, but that speaks to your integrity Mm -hmm. when you feel that sense of sadness that you haven't been able to completely 100% fill that glass full that they they were wanting. That's hard. Yeah. And I think anyone that really takes their job seriously and is passionate about it, that's going to be the pain point when it does show up, which even if it's once a year, it's once a year too many, right? Yeah. It just sucks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I totally get that. I think we've already talked about this, but I was going to ask for the name of the show. Obviously, listeners are busy people, but what do you think is the biggest mistake? Like when when people do their own hiring, and I don't mean like an HR firm, but I just, I've never hired before. I'm going to go hire someone. For me, it was always hiring someone I knew. If you hire someone just because you know them, A, a they may or may not bring those skill sets to the table. But if you hire them and they don't work out, well, now there's this tension of someone that you know, or it was a referral from someone. How do you, how do you explain to them that it's not working out? And so for me, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they hire on their own is they just hire for the comfort of, I know this person rather than for the skills. But what? Yeah, I have seen that a lot too, hiring a friend. And it's not that it always doesn't work, like it can, but it feels like a really big risk in my opinion. Like you were saying, you're... You have a friendship. Now we're taking on this manager employee kind of relationship, which can be really tricky. Like you need someone that you know is going to be really mature. If they're not performing well in the job, dealing with that. If they are, then that's great. I don't like to do friends mortgages because 99% of the time they all go perfectly smoothly. But that one, 1% when they don't, you feel so much more vested in it. It's so much more emotionally charged than if it's someone you don't know and you can just walk them through these little hiccups. But if it's a friend, every hiccup feels like it's like this personal road bump, this giant, massive road bump instead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would totally agree. And I've seen it a lot. And I've actually, one of the kind of nice things that I've heard as a added benefit when people work with us too, is that they'll say, can you like, just be careful how you post this? Cause I don't want my friends and family to know that I'm hiring. Can you like do something about that for me? But usually actually what we say is just tell them it's completely out of your hands. Like you've hired a third party to take this off. And that is exactly what we're doing. We're not going to have this back and forth in between like resumes going through them. No, that's why we're here is because then you don't have to do it. So you can just tell them, I'll mention that you said something so that if you make it through, that's great. 
But if you don't, then we trust the process. Yeah. And then it's not on them. They're not responsible for the fact that person didn't get hired or whatever. It, Like you say, they get to completely hand it over and have that distance from the process. Exactly. That can really help. And I think that takes a lot of stress off for some people too, that they don't have this pressure to say no to someone when, because some people like back you in a corner and they're like, can I have a job? And you're like, oh. Totally. Totally. Yeah. 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 So awkward. But the other thing we see a lot too, is that people actually end up hiring their competition. So in the mortgage world, this is so common that someone will comment to them, like a friend of a friend or someone on Facebook or something like that, wherever it is, they have an interest in the field, or maybe I want to go into this area or this industry, and then they hire them. And then all of a sudden, they actually take off and start their own business with all their connections, and they've just taught them everything they know. And so that can be stressful, especially as a smaller business where um, the growth is not maybe going to be the same. Some people will take on other you know, employees and allow them to grow into that position. But it also depends on what your goals are for your business. So that has been very stressful for some Yeah. People. And I've heard your partner, Scott, talk about that before, that you don't actually want to hire the person that's just like you, the person with that mm-hmm. entrepreneur. Like for a, an assistant, you can make the mistake of hiring someone like you that's an entrepreneur that just wants to grow and grow and grow their own business they're going to work themselves out of that job, basically. Like they're actually going to become your competition as opposed to hiring someone that just really gets excited about supporting someone else's business. Mm -hmm. If you hire an entrepreneur into a non-entrepreneurial role, there's always that risk and they're going to want to spread their wigs. And maybe in some offices, that's great. You can bring them on as a broker and support them. But in other places, there just Mm -hmm. might not be room to do that. And then now you've you've lost your assistant and now you've got to train a new one, right? That can be hard. What we've started to find is it's, there's a very fine balance of risk tolerance really is what it comes down to that we want to hire into. Cause it also, we also don't want to hire like a clone or someone that's just going to push buttons for us. We want also people to come into our businesses that are like bold and authentic and that want to add to it and bring ideas and get creative and all that kind of stuff. So we still want to attract people that are high level enough, but not have that same drive towards, I'm going to actually steal all your stuff and go start my own business. So it's a really fine kind of balance that we're trying to find for those. Right. You still want that super intelligent, driven, curious person that can solve problems, but just maybe not the person that wants to to go open their own brokerage next year or whatever. Right now. So right now you're hiring for a certain niche. Are you at any point going to open it up to say healthcare professionals, or do you have plans down the road to expand the service or right now, are you sticking with that admin type role? So at this point we've actually hired in quite a few different industries. I think that sometimes for people is a little bit of a a point where they have questions. What we've seen is that in this type of role, it's very transferable across industries. So we've hired in like car sales industry, in medical, in property management and technicians and stuff like that. So we have branched out quite, quite a bit across. And so the role itself is very transferable across those industries. But then once you start branching into different roles, whether it's in the same industry or not, that's where it really starts to shift. But at this point, we are sticking with mostly the admin roles. That's where our niche is right now. That's where our skill sets are in. And if we have the opportunity to potentially advance, and I think the way we would go though, is that we would, depending on who we bring on our team, Mm -hmm. we'll play to their strengths as well. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So if we find an HR professional that wants to join our team, that is like amazing at hiring. I don't know. They've always worked in like the vet industry and hired tons of people there. Then we would say, why the heck not? We might as well join that area and use those skills that you have. Yeah. This is a market we might 
Okay. This has been super fun. I really enjoy this. I feel like we could almost do episode two and your website's going to be in the show notes. Do you have any events, workshops, any things coming up that you want to tell viewers about or any projects that you're super excited about that you want to share? At this point, we are planning another workshop that we want to host. We'll keep that uh, information flowing on social media. We post some stuff on LinkedIn. So that's a great place to check. And honestly, apparently hired in seven days is not a very common search. So if you just search in hired in seven days, it's very easy to find us. And we have a website that we have quite a bit of information on as well. If you're looking for some more. A great um, podcast as well called Hired in Seven Days. And I'm going to tune in again in a couple of weeks and listen to some more episodes because I, I really enjoyed it. So thank Wonderful. Thank you. I so enjoyed our little chat here today. It's been awesome. That's it for this week. To get more information on any of my guests or to book me as a speaker at your next event, please visit jugglingwithoutballs.ca and you would totally make my day if you left me a review or you sent me an email at monica at jugglingwithoutballs.ca and let me know what you got out of this week's episode. I'm hoping to read some of those reviews and some of those emails on future episodes. Have a great week, jugglers. 